Warning. The following broadcast is not approved by your teacher, university, politician, or government. Side effects may include skepticism, better reasoning skills, liberty, peace, and an escape from the woke. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another quick hit from me, LB Muniz, and BenAwake.com. Ah, uh, this is the new format of the show. Um, it's going to be shorter, and it's going to be quick hits. That's what I'm calling it. Uh, that's what we're going to be doing. Appreciate everybody sticking with me um, as, as uh, another break kind of happened impromptu. Listen, this is what happens when writing and producing content is a passion and not a corporate gig. Is the thing that makes me money takes up some time. Uh, but been itching to talk about some stories and frankly and, and I just released a piece and frankly couldn't have picked a better day to uh, to come back and to kind of hit things full bore taking it to just showing you exactly how awful the corporate media outlets are um, let's, let's just jump into the story the Washington Post, Jeff Bezos's Washington Post has a new report out today. And before we get too far into it, I, I should remind you, the listener, I should remind you, the listener, the, the viewer, um, about an article I wrote about narrative discipline. This was something that came to me, at least as a concept, um, during d during the, the lockdowns and the pandemic and all the government overreach that occurred during that time period. And, it, and this is a phenomenon that people who have paid close attention to the news have, it's something that you know about, but, I, but when you give something a name, it gives it more power. So I call it narrative discipline. It's kind of like trigger discipline if you're somebody who's into firearms, right? You always pretend a gun is loaded, and so you never put your finger on the trigger unless you're ready to shoot. Narrative discipline is the method by which government, press outlets, influential people within society allow, the, uh, allow a narrative to expand beyond their, narrative, beyond their original narrow talking point. And of course, the article today that we're going to talk about from the Washington Post headline reads, U.S. had intelligence of detailed Ukrainian plan to attack Nord Stream pipeline. Let's just start reading the story. If you don't remember, there's a pipeline between Russia and Germany. There was the Nord Stream pipeline, and they were in the process of Nord Stream 2. And we were led to believe... Eh, you know, I don't know. This was maybe about a year ago. Again, they always they they always leave the breadcrumbs, right? It's just a matter of when. That's what narrative discipline is. And we're going to get into it in the context of the story of why that's important. And we're going to end today with a mindset piece that I wrote, an original piece at binawake.com, which I hope you'll enjoy. So the story goes. Three months before saboteurs bombed the Nord Stream natural gas pipeline, the Biden administration learned from a close ally that the Ukrainian military had planned a covert attack on the undersea network using a small team of divers who reportedly, who reported directly to the commander-in-chief of the Ukrainian armed forces. Details about the plan 
which have not been previously reported, were collected by a European intelligence service and shared with the CIA in June of 2022. They provide some of the most specific evidence to date linking the government of Ukraine to the eventual attack in the Baltic Sea, which U.S. Official, US and Western officials have called a brazen and dangerous act of sabotage on Europe's energy infrastructure. The European intelligence report was shared on the chat platform Discord, allegedly by an Air National Guard member, Jack um, Terexia. The Washington Post obtained a copy from one of Terexia's online friends. The intelligence report was based on information obtained from an individual in Ukraine. The source's information could not immediately be corroborated, but the CIA shared the report with Germany and other European countries last June, according to multiple officials familiar with the matter, who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss sensitive intelligence operations and diplomatic discussions. The highly specific details, which include numbers of operatives and methods of attack, show that for nearly a year, Western allies have had a basis to suspect Kiev in the sabotage. That assessment has only strengthened in recent months as German law enforcement investigators uncovered evidence about the bombing that bears striking similarities to what the European service said Ukraine was planning. Officials in multiple countries confirmed that the intelligence summary posted on Discord accurately stated what the European service told the CIA. The Post agreed to withhold the name of the European country as well as some aspects of the suspected plan at the request of government officials, who said exposing the information would threaten sources and operations. Let's leave that to the side and continue reading, shall we? Ukrainian officials, who have previously denied the country was involved in the Nord Stream attack, did not respond to requests for comment. What's interesting as well here, I'm going to take a pause and we're going to talk about it. What's interesting as well, and it's important to remember, that... Putin was blamed for this. Biden himself, the president of the United States, blamed the president of Russia for blowing up his own pipeline. Let's keep reading. The White House declined to comment on a detailed set of questions about the European report and the alleged Ukrainian military plot, including whether U.S. officials tried to stop the mission from proceeding. The CIA also declined to comment. Weird, because they confirmed it before. Whatever. That's just how these stories go. On September 26, three underwater explosions caused massive leaks on the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines, leaving only one of the four gas links in the network intact. Some Biden administration officials, including the president, if I recall correctly, initially suggested that Russia was to blame for what Biden, Pre President Biden called, quote, a deliberate act of sabotage promising that the United States would work with its allies to get to the bottom of exactly what happened. With winter approaching, it appeared the Kremlin might have intended to strangle the flow of energy, an act of blackmail, some leaders said, designed to intimidate European countries into withdrawing their financial and military support for Ukraine and refraining from future sanctions. Let's, let's pause our reading of this article to analyze that last sentence, shall we? Because it's, it's very interesting and very important. So it was a deliberate act of sabotage, and with winter approaching, the thought was, it's interesting how they phrase this too, it appeared the Kremlin might have intended to strangle the flow of energy, an act of blackmail, some leaders said, designed to intimidate European countries into withdrawing their financial and military support for Ukraine and refraining from further sanctions. Here's what's troublesome about that. Not even troublesome. 
we have to answer, and you know, it's an important it's an important question to answer is. Why would Putin have so much control over the European market? Well, the main reason, without getting too far into the weeds on this issue, is because Europe has been chasing the pipe dream of renewable energy to so much to so to so far an extent that some countries like Germany in particular and it's important to call out Germany because especially with the exit of the UK, Germany is the most powerful country within the European Union. I- ironic when you consider the history of Germany. Um uh, you know, at least in terms of what they, uh, how they, you know, like to control things in the past, let's say. So the idea was that this was some side, this was some kind of blackmail, because Europe, Europe, especially in the winter, needs Russian oil to power their power to power their plants, so that their people don't die in winter, because they themselves aren't concerned with any sort of in, any kind of energy independence and they instead focus on renewable sources of energy with the exception of France that don't work cuz I say this because I believe if memory serves France has invested in nuclear energy more than many of the other European countries so anyway so so but so so where's the blackmail exactly in that in this situation why would you blow up your own pipeline if you intend to blackmail people? If you want to blackmail people and you control said pipeline and you control the country that's producing the oil and sending it to the other countries, wouldn't you just, I don't know, turn the faucet off? Seems like a far better plan to me. And that's why none of this made any sense. And I believe I commented on it either on my own show or on other people's shows, but certainly in my personal conversations, I, it, was, it was obvious from the beginning that this wasn't the Russian government. It made no sense for the Russian government to do it. It was clearly something done either by the U.S. or through a U.S. proxy. There was other reporting. Um, I can't remember the name of the reporter who came out saying that he had intelligence linking the Americans to it. Now they're saying they were special, they were spec ops Ukrainian commandos, by which I say arose under, arose, uh, called at by any other name still smells as sweet. Let's continue reading, shall we? Biden administration officials now privately concede there is no evidence that conclusively points to Moscow's involvement, but publicly they have deflected questions about who might be responsible. European officials in several countries have quietly suggested that Ukraine was behind the attack, but have resisted publicly saying so over fears that blaming Kiev could fracture the alliance against Russia. At gatherings of European and NATO policymakers, officials have settled into a rhythm, as one senior European diplomat said recently, don't talk about Nord Stream. The European intelligence made clear that the would-be attackers were not rogue operatives. All those involved respond directly to General Valery Zaluzin. General Valery Zaluzin, I'm going to guess. Ukraine's highest-ranking military officer who was put in charge so that the nation's president, uh, Vladimir uh, or Volodymyr Zelensky wouldn't know about the operation. The intelligence report said. Remember, this was an intelligence report received three months before the actual attack occurred. Subsequently, the U.S. government still felt that their official position should be to blame Russia. Why? Because we are at war with Russia. Period. Full stop. We are already in World War Three. If you want to understand what comes next in politics, you need to understand that statement. 
Keeping Zelensky out of the loop would have given the Ukrainian leader a plausible way to deny involvement in an audacious attack on civilian infrastructure that could ignite public outrage and jeopardize Western support for Ukraine, particularly in Germany, which, before the war, got half of its natural gas from Russia and have long championed the Nord Stream project in the face of opposition from other European allies. While Gazprom, the Russian state-owned gas conglomerate, owns 51% of Nord Stream, Western energy companies, including from Germany, France, and the Netherlands, are partners and invested billions in the pipelines. Ukraine had long complained that Nord Stream would allow Russia to bypass Ukrainian pipes, depriving Kiev of huge transit revenue. The intelligence summary says that the Ukrainian military operation was put on hold for reasons that remain unclear. The Ukrainians had planned to attack the pipeline on the heels of a major allied naval exercise known as Baltops that ran from June 5th to June, to, to June 17th, 2022, according to the report. But according to German law enforcement officials investigating September's Nord Stream bombing, key details emerging of that operation line up with the earlier plot. For instance, the Ukrainian individual who informed the European Intelligence Service in June said that six members of Ukraine's special operations forces using false identities intended to rent a boat and use a submersible vehicle, which, you know, you can just pick up at any hardware store, dive to the floor of the Baltic Sea and then to damage or destroy the pipeline and escape undetected. In addition to oxygen, the team planned to bring helium, which is recommended, especially for deep dives. dives. German investigators now believe that six individuals using fake passports rented a sailing yacht in September, embarked from Germany, and planted explosives that severed the pipelines, according to f officials familiar with that investigation. They believe that operatives were skilled divers, given that the explosives were planted at a depth of about 240 feet, in the range that experts say helium would be helpful for maintaining the mental focus. Investigators have matched explosive residue found on the pipeline to traces found inside of the cabin of the yacht called Andromeda, and they have linked Ukrainian individuals to the rental of the boat via an apparent front company in Poland. Investigators also suspect that at least one individual who serves in the Ukrainian military was involved in the sabotage operation. A collaboration of German media organizations previously reported the suspected involvement of the Ukrainian military service member. The June plot differs from the September attack in some respects. See, here's where they're going to muddy the waters. I haven't actually read this piece, but I already know there's a form these things take. The June plot differs from the September attack in some respects. The European intelligence report notes that the Ukrainian operatives plan to attack the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, but make no mention of the Nord Stream 2, a newer line. The intelligence report also says the saboteurs would embark from a different location in Europe, not Vanemunde, Vanemunde, my German's bad, a port town in Germany on the Baltic where the Andromeda was rented. So, you know, even though the initial report, when they came up with the plan, didn't exactly match what they intended to do, it's still what they intended to do and, in fact, was more, had more damage. The CIA, this is, this is, all right, before we get into this part, like I said, these things always follow the same form, right? It always has the same structure. And this is part of the narrative discipline. See, what if I'm going to predict properly what they're going to do here, what they're going to talk about is why 
it, what they need to do here is give the administration, give the regime a reason for why they didn't believe the initial reports and the intelligence, like all the other intelligence that the CIA has missed over the years that has led to terroristic attacks both here and abroad. The CIA initially questioned the credibility of the information, in part because the source in Ukraine who provided the details had not yet established a track record of producing reliable information, according to officials familiar with the matter. The European service, a trusted Europe, U.S. partner, this would likely be Germany, right, or, so, or maybe another European EU um, intelligence service, felt that the source was reliable. But despite any reservation the CIA might have had, the agency communicated the June intelligence to counterparts in Germany and other European countries. The European service also shared it with Germany, one person said. German intelligence personnel briefed lawmakers in Berlin in late June. In late June, and when exactly did this attack happen? This attack happened, where, where, where are we? Actually, when does, when did this attack happen? I can't remember. The, the exercises took place between June 5th and 7th. And then, then, but then this attack occurred on September 26th. The bombs were placed at a certain point, and then they blew up a few months later. So in June, people knew this was happening. Let's get back to it. So they shared it with Germany in late June before they left for their summer break, according to an official with knowledge of the closed-door presentation. Officials familiar with the European report conceded... Okay, I guess, so I guess it wouldn't be Germany, although it could still be, because, you know, what they'll do is they'll put stuff in here so you don't know who it was. Officials familiar with the European report conceded that it is possible that the suspected Ukrainian plotters might have been apprised that the intelligence was shared with several countries and that they may have changed some elements of the plan. But the report from the European Intelligence Service isn't the only piece of evidence pointing to Kiev's role in the pipeline bombing. The Post previously reported that governments investigating the explosions uncovered communications that showed pro-Ukrainian individuals or entities discussed the possibility of carrying out an attack on the Nord Stream pipelines. Those conversations took place before the attack, but were only discovered in its aftermath, when spy agencies sourced data for possible clues. Despite waiving Trump-era sanctions on the Russia-to-Germany natural gas pipeline as an attempt to mend fences with Berlin, that's a, that, isn't that an interesting piece of doublespeak, of newspeak, right there? Despite waiving Trump-era sanctions on the Russia-to-Germany natural gas pipeline, this is the Washington Post, whose tagline says, Democracy dies in darkness. And this was the Washington Post that constantly hit the drumbeat of Russia, Russia, Russia during the Trump administration, which has almost all been disproven at this point. Of course, the people who believe in Russia, Russia, Russia will never admit that, but, you know, that's what happens when you put your faith in the wrong place. Right, because and because that was the fact is that Trump actually put heavy sanctions on Russia to prove that he wasn't in their pocket. So despite, but but here, this is the Biden administra administration fixing an error of the Trump administration. The Biden administration had long harbored concerns about Nord Stream and did not shed tears over its September demise. 
After months of pressure from Washington, the German government halted final authorization of Nord Stream 2. Oh, there was that video, too, now that I'm reading the story, where, where they said that, you know, if they, if they tried anything, that they would stop it, that they would stop Nord Stream 2. And Biden said that, you know, trust me or don't worry about it, I'll figure it out. At the time of the attack, the pipeline was intact and had already been pumped full of 300 million cubic meters of natural gas to ready it for operations. And I apologize, I said oil before, it's natural gas. Nearly a month before the rupture, the Russian energy giant Gazprom stopped flows on Nord Stream 1 hours after the group of seven industrialized nations announced a forthcoming price cap on Russian oil, a move intended to put on the, a dent in the Kremlin's treasury. So the group of seven industrialized nations came together and said, well, we're going to put a price cap on Russian oil. We're never going to pay much more than this amount for Russian oil. And so, the, and so Gazprom said, well, fine, then we're not going to send you natural gas. Officials have said that the cost of repairing the pipelines would run in the hundreds of millions of dollars. While U.S. intelligence officials were initially skeptical of the European reporting... <laughs> This is, this, is this is constructing the narrative. This is narrative discipline right here. While U.S. intelligence officials were initially skeptical, because again, something like this, especially with how much money and how invested the U.S. government is in the Ukrainian government, the odds of there not being some kind of back-channel intelligence conversation about something like this, my, 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 my most humble of opinions, slim to none. Uh, they have long been concerned about aggressive operations by Ukraine that could escalate the war into a direct conflict between the Russia between Russia and the United States and its NATO allies. In February of this year, on the eve of the war's first anniversary, Ukrainian military intelligence agency agreed at Washington's request to po postpone planned strikes on Moscow, according to another intelligence document leaked in, on Discord. That incident illustrated a broader tension that has existed throughout the war. Ukraine, eager to bring the fight to Russia's home turf, is sometimes restrained by the United States. And the reason for this, to put it as simply as possible, if I may, is this isn't about winning. This isn't about freedom. This is about weakening Russia. Whatever you may think of that. That's, that is the purpose of this engagement. It's about, it's about bringing them into a long, protracted conflict vis-a-vis when uh, vis -a -vis when we armed the Mujahideen in the, at the, towards the end of the Soviet Union to you know, engage them there. If you don't know about that, you can look it up. Officials in Washington and Europe have admonished Ukraine for attacks outside its territory that they felt went too far after a car bomb near Moscow in August killed Daria Dugina in an attack that appeared to be intended for her father, a prominent Russian nationalist whose writing had helped shape a Kremlin narrative about Ukraine. Western, they don't mention what that narrative is. I've covered it in the past. You can go look it up. Western officials said they made clear to Zelensky that they held operatives and his government responsible. The attack was seen as provocative and risked a severe Russian response, officials said. Ukraine has persisted with strikes inside Russia, including drone strikes on an airfield and targets in Moscow that U.S. officials have linked to Kiev. And that's the article, folks. Wow. Can you believe it? Can you believe that in the midst of a war, there's propaganda in major U.S. media outlets? Democracy dies in darkness, they say. Democracy is code for the U.S. government, for the U.S. global regime. 
This is the same people that lied us into the war in Iraq, lied us into uh, that, that protracted a war in Afghanistan, up to and including the Biden administration, by the way, that bungled. Well, they say it, that's, that's the word you're supposed to use. See, look, I even use it in, I even use it in the moment. That purposefully didn't withdraw from Afghanistan in the correct way, leaving civilians and military personnel and billions of dollars of weapons and equipment in a country that, um, well, let's just say, doesn't have the smartest people at the, at the helm. Whatever else you might say about the Taliban. What are we supposed to make of this? of a story like this. Well, if you're listening to this, it's because you understand, or at least you're starting to understand, that when you're talking about the major press institutions of the U.S., uh, in, in the U.S., major so-called news outlets, that their job, their job is not about informing you. Their job, as we've said multiple times in this segment, is about narrative control, is about making sure that the regime's talking points are said. There was nothing stopping people from speculating about this in major press outlets. And, you know, maybe somewhere like the New York Times allowed one editorial that talked about it. But the evidence was there from the beginning because it follows a certain playbook. And once you start to recognize that playbook, you really can't go back. So this is, it's, it's worth walking through a piece like this. Like, you know, there was a couple moments in there, like I said, that, that show the form of how these things happen. And the more, the longer you spend with me, the longer you spend subscribed to beenawake.com, the more you'll be able to recognize these patterns too. So if this is the first time watching, do me a favor, subscribe. Um, you can find me on all social media at the LB Muniz. And uh, now we're going to have, now we're going to completely shift gears. But I wanted to cover that story because, um, well, I wanted to cover it because think, stories like this matter and it was breaking news today. And, you know, I like, I do like talking about the news. So there's, so the tagline for binawake.com has been for a while now, news, philosophy, mindset, and what comes next in politics. This next piece is a mindset piece. And when we're talking about mindset, what we're what I'm referring when I'm when I'm talking about mindset, I'm referring to like it, it's like meditating, it's like prayer, if you will. I'm trying to put my brain, my mind, my consciousness, and yours, in turn, as a reader, viewer, listener of this um, of this content, I'm trying to put you in a certain mode, not the same kind of mode that is going to rant against the news. No. This is how we actually improve ourselves and we recalibrate ourselves to make sure we're moving in the right direction. And that's why I wrote, that's why I wrote, ruts happen for a reason. It's easy to get caught in a rut, but what does that mean? In our modern world of air travel and highways, it's worth returning to the original meaning of a term to determine whether we're using a modern idiom appropriately. Personally, I find there is always something to glean from such an exploration. So basically, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was sitting on a plane and I was like, I got to write something. You know, I haven't been producing content. I got to get something out. And I was just thinking about this term, you know, I'm stuck in a rut. I'm stuck in a rut. I'm stuck in a rut. I'm like, what? I know what a rut is, right? It's a, as, as Oxford, Oxford Dictionary says, a rut is a long, deep track made by repeated passage of the wheels of vehicles. 
but I always like to see where a word comes from, what its origins are, and then, you know, I like to play with words. And, you know, and the purpose of mindset, the purpose of, of exploring the realm of ideas like this is to allow ourselves the opportunity to maybe see things from a slightly different angle, maybe a slightly different vector of approach, to reorient our minds to better understand the world, and thus our mission of better sense making. The word rut is thought to come from Old French root, and, or, and I don't know if you pronounce that differently in French, but root, and which is a word we use in English, and originated in the 16th century well before the automobile or engines we take for granted today. While today one can easily swerve to miss a pothole in the road, animal-drawn wagons and carriages of old were not as nimble. So where roads didn't exist, travelers could follow the rut or route from past journeys, having relative certainty they were going in the right direction. Over time, as that route became a rut, there would come a chance the wagons or carriage would become stuck, unable to turn. The second definition is certainly the more common understanding of the word, which is a habit or pattern of behavior that has become dull and unproductive, but is hard to change. You might have been told at one time or another that you were on a path. What is difficult to accept is that this path isn't about a destination, it's about a journey. And yes, I know that's a cliche, but cliches become that for a reason. There are times where the path will seem long, where you wish the path were different, and there are even times where you'll want to leave a path behind. When we complain about being stuck in a rut, we almost always mean it in a negative sense. And sometimes it's true that a rut is leading you nowhere worth being. It is worth pondering, however, whether you're actually stuck or whether you haven't, or, or if you haven't reached where you're trying to be. Thinking back to our ancestors who didn't have GPS or even detailed maps to find their way, but still made the journey, it is worth asking, are you really in a rut or are you en route to something greater? After all, ruts happen for a reason. So I hope you guys enjoyed our coverage of the obvious, uh, obvious Western attack on the Nord Stream pipeline and this nice little sentimental mindset piece to close things out. Do me a favor, if you would. Uh, I'll, you know what? Let's, let's take care of some of the some, some housekeeping stuff at the end here. So Substack is the home. If you're watching this video on YouTube, Rumble, or somewhere else, please go to beenawake.com. Subscribe to the Substack so that we can stay in content. That's contact. That's where the content goes first. All written articles are going to start to be reproduced on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, wherever your favorite social media is. But you're always going to get it first on Substack, and of course, the only and of course those are going to disappear eventually. And the only way to access the archives is to go to beenawake.com, become a premium subscriber, consider it. It's it's fifty dollars. Buy me dinner. Show me that this that this content is worth producing in the future. And until next time, Albi Muniz. This is a quick hit. Signing off. I got to figure out a better way to end these segments. If you like what you heard today, go to inawake.com to subscribe for future updates. My name is LB Muniz, and I am not one with the woke.